Box from the bookshop and we're gonna get right off our shelves. And box from the bookshop and we're gonna get right off our shelves. Box from the bookshelf, we're gonna get right off our shelves. And box from the bookshelf, here we go. Box from the bookshop, and we're gonna get right off our shelves. And box from the bookshop, and we're gonna get right off our shelves. And box from the bookshop, we're gonna get right off our shelves. And box from the bookshop, and there we go. Howdy doody, bookshelfers, and and welcome back to another brand spanking uh, new episode of the Off The Shelf series. Um, hope you're enjoying these, uh, these ramble chats with uh, people we think are great, um, professionals we know, um, people we think that you might be interested by, because um, we are really enjoying doing them, so uh, we plan on carrying on. Um, so this week's episode is with uh, the great Greg Patterson. Um Greg runs, uh, runs the Great Paws uh, dog training company um, based out in Darlington, out there. Um, and he has been, well, how I know Greg is he has been a, a staunch and vocal supporter of our podcast um, pretty much since day one, um, uh, which has been lovely. Um, he's always added something really good to the to the debate. Um, he's always putting these amazing gifts whenever we pop anything up on Facebook. So that's how I first heard of him. And then obviously um, we, we got chatting and it turns out that uh, Greg does his own podcast called the Woofing Pawson Podcast, which I definitely, I think everyone needs to go and check out. So go and find that where you find all your good podcasts. It's a great podcast. Um, uh yeah, he has some guests on there. I think me and Nat are going to feature on there at some point as well. So that's exciting stuff. Um, so yeah, so we thought let's get Greg on and have a chat about his life in the in the dog training world. Um, we talk a lot about his canine charity support work, um, the dogs that he's grown up with. It's really cool to hear about them. Um, loads of stuff. So uh, without further ado, shall we venture inwards? I think we should. Here we go. Finally, talk to an actual person. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, call we uh, call you Big G. Is that all right? That's absolutely fine. It called a lot worse. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I I've been uh, I've been cyber stalking you a little bit, Greg. If that's all right. Um, I don't know if you've uh, noticed me behind you on the interwebs at all, but uh, <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't feel the breath. I've been there. Um, I've been there. I didn't smell it either. <laughs> I'm getting better. That's the thing. <laughs> So, well, first of all, Darlington. I looked up Darlington. I've, I'm so rubbish on geography, especially yeah, yeah. especially geography in the British Isles. Um, and it looks beautiful around there where you. I mean, there's loads of lovely places up around there. Yeah, uh, the, the northeast. I'm a, I'm a. Yeah, I absolutely love it up this part of the world. Darlington's not technically my hometown, but I've lived here about ten years. Ah. Um, and loads of loads of history. Um, particularly if you like kind of railway history and industrial history. There's, ah. there's actually bucket lords as the uh, the first passenger railway was uh, between darlington and a, a few other local towns so yeah yeah it's quite quite big if you're into that kind of thing i were there's a bridge in the town that used to be on the old five pound note all that kind of stuff wow um yeah so it's it's um but yeah the countryside around here obviously i'm pretty much an hour from anything so yeah 
kind of the Northumberland coast, our local coast, uh, Yorkshire Dales, the Lake District, everything's pretty much on our doorstep. So, wow. Uh, so, so where are you in relation to Newcastle? Peach is that her barking um, at my voice? Hello, Penny. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know what Peach is doing downstairs, oh, but Penny okay. is grassing her up, basically. Don't know any good dog trainers, do you, Greg? <laughs> don't, sadly, no. Jack Russell's, eh? We're about 35 miles south of Newcastle. Okay. okay. So, so if, you, my... if you've... If you've ever done the train to Newcastle, yes. So usually, uh, if you go from London, the the second last stop before Newcastle's Durham. Yep. And the one before Durham is usually Darlington. Okay. Ah, oh, I've probably yeah, been through there at some point because I did my masters at Newcastle. Ah, um, right. Yeah, yeah. And I I always felt guilty about flying, but it's just so much quicker. And then the final nail in the coffin was just one particular hideous train ride next to a really smelly person and the toilets and i was like i can't do i can't do this anymore i'm gonna have to just plant some trees and you do know you can move on trains you can get up and walk no you can't because you get an allocated seat and it's full there you go shows how often i drive on trains i normally get my butler to drive me places (laughs) (laughs) i'm just waiting for the corin comment to follow that (laughs) i actually do do most of the driving i've got to be really good only because corin gets really scared when i drive and that's not to say that i am actually a bad driver i think as i would i think i'm pretty good but corin is a nervous passenger aren't you guys that is true it would be a lie just to say okay (laughs) (laughs) that's what really annoys him is that i um managed to keep it under wraps with like literally nearly everybody else apart from him and my sister i'm just like no (laughs) you need to be told constantly to break to slow down I guess it's a thinly vowed compliment of sorts, isn't it? That you feel comfortable enough. Yeah, to... yeah. Let's let's go with that. But you know, like there, there could be someone breaking about five miles in the distance. Like, Simon! Simon! <laughs> as, you will as a current, have you got those invisible pedals? My wife has those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like most of the time I'm like, oh, are you going to drive today? Because I like the idea of having the extra beer at the other end. And uh, then I, I always thought, no, I, I won't, Steve. You can have it. It's fine. I'll drive. <laughs> works out well <laughs> so yeah I, so I mean I think what we should what we should well first of all I've got loads of questions that I want to ask you because of my cyber stalking so first question <laughs> is okay um, you had a Rhodesian Ridgeback cross Great Dane I did yeah tell Landor. us a little um, bit that is a oh, beast of a, a dog oh, wow hang on nice. Nat Nat take a screenshot hey dude oh hang on <laughs> <laughs> we got it <laughs> now take a screenshot yeah, with greg in it yeah everyone stick your okay, thumbs up hang on let, let me get in the sun uh, there we go that'll do right you ready good we have to do this all the time <laughs> absolutely fine <laughs> so yeah tell us a little bit about who, what was yeah. the name lando land oh what uh, carizian yes let's go with that it had nothing to do with the fact he was called orlando ah. um, when i rescued him um and he'd kind of already started responding to it so i was i was hesitant to to change it drastically but Fantastic. it was kind of the peak of uh, the orlando bloom season and uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think i could have um i could have got away shouting that across the park so i changed it to lando <laughs> i think in the worst case i'd be a bit star wars geeky and i can totally live with that but, um, <laughs> yeah i got him when i was coming up 19 i yeah. think it was so I'd, I'd left home um kind of working full-time um had a partner at the time we had a, a small holding um that was about six acres 
lived in a caravan. So obviously the perfect thing that you need a giant dog in. Um, <laughs> and yeah, went to local RSPCA, got told originally he was um, a boxer Doberman cross, which I grew up with boxers. So I was kind of, I was all up for the, for the craziness. Um, and you kind of see it because he was only about four or five months old, um, kind of at the RSPCA. And then when he hit about six months, he just transformed. Um, and clearly wasn't either of the two breeds I thought he was. So <laughs> ended up kind of doing a bit of investigative work with the vets. And yeah, he came back as a, a Ridgeback Great Dane Cross. And wow. around, I think at his peak, I think he was about 84 kilos at his biggest. Um, <laughs> big, big dog. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was a bit of a... He was he was amazing. Like, obviously, taught me huge amounts. But he was a, a true gentle giant when he wanted to be. But he could be a, a bit of a lunatic as well when you wanted an eighty kilo lunatic. Isn't always the best thing. To yeah, you you can't. You definitely cannot get away with as much, can you? No, no and particularly in a static caravan as well. <laughs> just just to make it sound like I was a complete kind of hobo. I am. Um, I also lived in a, a touring caravan for a little while. A, a little. 16 by 6 touring caravan wow. me and him in the depths of winter at the top of uh, the Pennines wow. um, kind of cuddled up together so I was going to say that's, that when sense, it's, that's when it's handy to have a big dog when it's yeah, eight, eight, 80 kilo cuddle buddy definitely yeah. handy, <laughs> but yeah, he was, can he uh, fit all of you in the spoon <laughs> pretty much like, yeah. <laughs> just curled up <laughs> yeah. well, Nat, Nat's got a bit of experience of him living in a caravan with some dogs haven't you yeah, we ha- we um, did a bit of work on our house uh, a couple of years ago now, and we just bought a static and put it at the end of the garden. I loved it; it was great, brilliant. I, I loved it in summer, except I'm I'm re- I say I'm tall. I'm reasonably tall. I'm only just just over six foot, and I had a really bad habit of kind of punching the light bulbs out when I was getting dressed. You know, like perfect demo. Yeah, I think I, I think I kind of spent a small fortune just replacing those. <laughs> So you, you grew up with boxes when you were younger then? Yeah, my parents, uh, after having me six months old, decided um, uh, a red and white boxer would be the uh, the perfect addition to the family. So, yeah, from literally being months old, I've, uh, I had a bouncer, uh, aptly named, I think, for most boxers. Yeah. Um, and then probably when I was, oh God, questioning my memory now, but about eight-year-old thereabouts, my parents rescued um, a brindle boxer as well who was oh. buster so we had buster and bouncer kind of all through my youngish life uh, i think we lost buster when i was about 16 ish 17 ish so i was only kind of without a dog kind of around for for about a year before lando came on the scene so is that where your sort of yeah. love for dogs came from growing up with them or yeah yeah definitely it's um they were just kind of always there so naturally when you've got a dog you meet more people with dogs and obviously and it just kind of grew so there was always people in and around me my parents had always had dogs kind of obviously before i came on the scene um so yeah it's just always been kind of a staple of the family so you kind of do a lot you learn a lot probably without overtly realizing it um and then like i say got land on going from having a pet dog in the family to being a supposed adult with my own dog um yeah that's kind of where my real learning curve and interest kind of took mm. off so i started doing a lot more work with the rspca where i rescued him from um mainly just to try and repay them for, for bringing him kind of into my life because oh, like nice. a lot of charities, they were uh, they, they would struggle with volunteers and donations and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, then got exposure to more and more dogs and then went off and did adult in jobs for a while. And then um, probably about two and a half years ago, kind of fast forward, new dogs in the lifestyle and one that was probably particularly challenging. And then I think that's when I took it to the more 
serious level of kind of I say academic study, nowhere near kind of your level, Nat, but certainly more <laughs> than the uh, dog enthusiast level. Um, so yeah, so but yeah, absolutely, is that kind of family growing up that that made it uh, made it a lifelong passion. And you've got two German shepherds and a King Charles now. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I met my wife when we first started dating, she had two Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, and I still had the the Ridgeback Great Dane. So we became a bit of a family unit for a while. Um, then we lost the big guy. And we had about two years-ish, I think, thereabouts, without a big dog in the house, which was really weird for me. Um, <laughs> and then, fully enough, it came really weird for the wife after a while, so we started talking about getting another one. Um, and German Shepherds were never a, a breed I'd considered owning, if I'm honest, I'd, I'd, uh, or having kind of part of my family. I'd always, I won't lie, I've got a huge soft spot for those kind of Mastiff-type breeds anything kind of squishy faced <laughs> um was even though my obviously Ridgeback wasn't squishy faced at all but he was um <laughs> but yeah so I, I'd always wanted that kind of dog but wife doesn't do slabber very well oh. ironic <laughs> that she wants a Newfoundland yeah. but we'll yeah. deal with that another time um so yeah same thing we, we started looking at various rescues and what was around and we'd seen one German Shepherd who was beautiful she was really young um, but at that time we were about to go on quite a long holiday around Europe on a motorbike. So it just wasn't the right time obviously to even consider bringing a dog into the house. So we, we kind of passed and then really strangely, um, I used to work away a lot with, with kind of my corporate job. And she sent me a picture of a, a Duke de Bordeaux at our local dogs trust called Thunder, which I thought was just the best name. Yeah. Um, so that weekend we went to see him, um, and he came out of kind of his little kidney bed in in the in the kennel. He was ginormous in terms of bulk, like his like head the was, head sizes yeah, of yeah. dogs. I mean, uh, it was wider yeah. than my shoulders. I remember yeah. putting my hands up to stroke him, and it was like wider than my shoulders. And his paws were just yeah. They're huge. just. I mean, they're like a. There's something to behold, aren't they? You mm. kind of just think, oh my goodness. I thought I would. My head was big, but you know, <laughs> and then you look at them, and oh, you can't beat Turner and Hooch as well. Oh no. yeah, but he was—he was really—he was quite squat. He was really short, even for for a Duke size. He was—he was, he was yeah. really quite short. And we wanted a big dog for more the activity. We knew the cabbies were getting a little bit older. They—they they kind of weren't up to country walks and things like that as much anymore. So we wanted a dog to try and keep us a little bit more active. And he just wouldn't have fitted. It, it took him minutes to kind of get out of his bed and get to the cage. And as much <laughs> as I could have quite happily cuddled him all day, I, he, he wasn't going to be the right fit. And it would have been unfair for him as much as it would have been for us. So we just kept walking. And um, I walked around one of the other kind of little areas and, and spotted what is Hugo. He wasn't called Hugo when we when we got him. And he was he was fresh in, kind of quite literally off the boat. He'd come from Ireland. Um, wasn't on the website or anything. And yeah, I just totally fell in love with him. I had that same feeling I did when I saw kind of Lando for the first time in the RSPCA. Mm. And I was just looked at the wife and I was like, that one. <laughs> Definitely all day long him. Um, and that was it. And then from there, kind of got involved with more charity work, a breed specific charity, and then got my second or our second, I should say, um, German Shepherd Betty Boo um, just over 18 months ago. And Betty Boo wow. is, is, is the one that's got a bit of social anxiety. Yeah, she has. Yeah, so um, it was a it was a really sad story in terms of kind of why she was having to be given up. And it, luckily, the the family who had her previously hadn't done anything kind of bad to her in terms of mistreatment or anything like that. They they very they had very much done the best with her, but um, she just hadn't been socialised at all ever since being a mm. pup. She'd literally just kind of lived indoors, 
And when she did go for walks, it was very early in the morning, very late at night because of she just doesn't have any manners and she had no kind of lead etiquette or anything like that. So mm. um, they kind of like a lot of us do when you're in that scenario, you try and avoid people and avoid public and avoid busy times. So she just had no exposure to it. So when she did, she just used to freak out um, to a point where it would, to the onlooker, look probably really scary because she would spin massively. She would wow. bark, slather, snap as she was shouting. Um, but yeah, so when, when she came in and probably like a lot of us do when you go and see a rescue dog, um, you have in that mind's eye of how you'd want to plan it out. And I think you guys talked about this with Carrie Ann in terms of this is how you would do it and how you'd do slow integrations and all that kind of thing. Ours was about an hour and a half and she was in the car and she was coming home with us. So we didn't have any chance to do <laughs> yeah. introductions to the two little ones. She'd met Hugo, which on lead was horrific. Off lead was wonderful. Um, but yeah, so that was it. That kind of really, like I said, she was probably my trigger to really learn more um, in terms of what I thought was doing the right thing versus is it actually the right thing? And yeah, they, they all really teach us something completely different, don't they? And like, what yeah. what an amazing sort of spread of, of breed experience you've got. I mean, mm. from a boxer to a cavy, it's quite different skill set. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it certainly is. And I've, I've probably very narrow-mindedly always kind of been a big dog kind of guy. I, love, I like my big dogs. Um, getting cavies or having cavies come into my life was just amazing. They are such a beautiful breed. And obviously through the work I do, I meet so many other breeds and you realize that the kind of the personalities and small dogs yeah, probably even go as far as saying they may even trump big dog personalities at times. Um, you know, yeah, that's yeah. it. I'm hooked now with, uh, yeah, our two. Well, we, we've got one cavy now, Lucy. She's uh, she's 12 next month. Um, she's going strong. So yeah, definitely um, beautiful animals. You need style. to get a Jack Russell. <laughs> oh yeah, get yourself part of the terrier gang. I, <laughs> I tell you what, Greg. I never in a million years, never ever ever wanted a Jack Russell, and uh, and we ended up kind of by kind of by default because we had a lot of we we were in in contact with the Blue Cross at the time, and we had a lot of dogs fall through um, that we were we were planning to rescue. There was one that that they decided wasn't going to be rehomed with another dog. Oh, that that one. Uh, there was one that they wouldn't. We we'd gone on holiday, so they couldn't. You know, it wasn't fair to keep him longer than than possible. Well. He was a terrier. And then we ended up with this little penny, and it was just by the fact that like two had fallen through, and we're just like, okay, if she can be, if she can live, cohabit with our older dog. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll take her. Um, when you're licking. And uh, yeah, I never, not in a million years, never would have imagined having a Jack Russell. But you're right, exactly what you say there is exactly right. The personality is something else. They're like little, I don't know, she's like a little. It sounds really cliche, but in so many of my posts, I talk about how Penny makes me laugh every day. And she really she does. does. Yeah. Like, she's, she's funny. Yeah. She's <laughs> Whether she means to be or not, but she's actually <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, I still remember the first day I ever met Mouse. Um, one of my uh, lovely friends, Suze, was um, fostering her for the RSPCA. And um, she was having to go away on holiday. And I said, oh, well, how about I look after her while you're away and we can see how it goes with my guys. And um, she was just like, because I was used to my big dogs. We had Jack and Gru at the time. And um, she just looked like a hamster on a lead. I was like, oh, this she's tiny the tiniest little thing um but as soon as you get to know her she is as big as drax in personality yeah 
fish fish is certainly the same as well so yeah <laughs> I, I, I used to love the looks of public when we used to have lando and we used to take them out and they kind of very strangely there was often times we'd end up swapping so the wife would be walking lando so she'd have the big 80 kilo horse and I'd be walking down the street with the with the two kind of little cavalier king spaniels. So as, a, as a family unit, yeah, it's bad enough with German shepherds, but with the big guy, that was <laughs> the difference was amazing. We had um, we had a squirrel incident with peaches yesterday. Go blimey, she nearly she nearly had me nearly. And she did you a, go or did you manage to grab? I mean, I went her? I went where she wanted to go. I didn't go over, but I was going. I went. I found myself at the base of an oak tree. You didn't go up the tree. <laughs> Yeah, he could have come up. Well, if she could climb, I would have been up the tree. I think yesterday. Like, that is, that's something we got. Well, I was actually looking at. Um, you know, Jane Arden told us about the the predatory chase blog she did with yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Leonberger. So uh, I woke up this morning at six o'clock. And the first thing I did was I looked at the looked at the blog. I was like, right, I need to get a bead on this and how we're going to do it. So yeah, that's a uh, step. Next step: predatory chase. Cause... I think we've been guilty with Penny being a smaller dog, like sort of. It's been it's been really manageable, you know. Like we mm. do work on it, but we've worked on it to the point where it's really manageable. And now um, yeah. it, it's not going to be like that with Peaches. And it will help if Penny is less into that stuff as well for their relationship and being off lead together. So yeah, it's something that we've definitely been like, right, okay, I need she, to actually pull our finger out and do something. The good thing about her is she comes back quite quick. For, so from that sort of like heightened state, right. I can I can get her attention back pretty quick. So so that's really nice um but yeah yeah i've got one arm longer than the other <laughs> no, my Hugo is even worse he's uh, so his his predatory chase is terrible particularly for rabbits and deer it oh, tends okay. to be his thing um so again really similar like say so you get used to i mean again lando probably made me a bit complacent because for a big dog he just wasn't wasn't really bothered with anything he just kind of plod past anything so you kind of get lured in this false sense of security yeah and again the little ones they love birds swallows i think you mentioned with peaches yeah, and penny swallows, as well yeah. um they they love those but again it was always kind of they would break it they'd have a daft little two minute chase, so then they'd kind of break it off and they'd return lando um sorry hugo even sorry when he when i first got him and first discovered uh 20 minutes stood in a, in a wood waiting for him to return back to me after he'd uh, <laughs> just suddenly just that moment when he is turned and like you just see uh, yeah, I've lost him. There we yeah, go. you're and just he, completely yeah. powerless, aren't you? And you're like, just try not to run into a tree and yeah. uh, I'll be here when you come back and yeah. then we'll Sobbing be working quietly. on things. Yeah, well, <laughs> As you can see there, and Steve's got oh, some as well, so yeah. we're a big fan of swallows, or <laughs> I should say we were. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm liking them less. As well, haven't you? Sorry? You've got the mosaic in the garden? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's based on the, the tattoo that we both got. We yeah. got a similar tattoo, so yeah, we... Um, no, we yeah. do really like them. It's just, yeah, just... Uh, just it's, a, it's a different, like, you know, to train a, with a crow that takes off and <laughs> yeah. lands and is ploddy and all of those things versus, oh, my God, I didn't even see that coming. They've seen it. Drop the lead because I'm going to go over otherwise. You know, it's a different... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's a real... It keeps you on your toes. Yeah. yeah it certainly it does. does. And, and, like, we got our own enclosed field, which we're very lucky to have 
but they come every year they come and they love it and you know it's just like ah this place that should be this safe non-stressful environment where we can take the dogs suddenly is becoming like what do you think they'll be there will the swallows be there what's the weather like i'm starting i'm starting to like doing reckies yeah i'm starting to understand swallow behavior a lot more (laughs) like what sort of weather they like what sort of wind styles which way it's blowing whether they'll come in from that direction so yeah yeah it's it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be you know but it's a challenge it's it's interesting you know put your money where your mouth is didn't you so you know I'm, i'm have those moments where it was quite it's a bit painful yesterday when she caught me a little bit unawares with that squirrel but yeah now i know that that's got to be we got to look at that so so yeah actually reading that blog this morning really really gave me a bit enthused me so um, i feel like i've got at least a, a way forward with it sometimes when you're sat there and you think ah, oh, what am i gonna do here like how you know you can't can't see the wood for the trees but then when you when you read someone else and they've broken it down a little bit and these little step-by-step bits it's um it's a lot easier, or at least that's a theory. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit that amazed me, to be honest. And like when I first started kind of studying more and learning more, was how much stuff there is out there. Because yeah. if if you know where to look, and there's probably an argument to say that that's probably not as overt to probably general public as maybe everyone yeah. would like it to be. But once you kind of you know a few people and you start to get familiar with a few names and a few blogs and a few resources, the information that's out there that people put out for, for, for nothing is just unbelievable. Yeah. And like you say, that one from, from Jane's amazing. Keep yourself busy all day, can you? And oh, completely. Yeah. And I mean, we've been amazed doing this podcast, just how generous people are with their time as well. You know, it, it's it's fantastic, really. It's just something that started as a nice little idea for us to finally read the books that we have on our shelves. It's been, it's been amazing. Met so many lovely people. I love yeah. that you say the books that you have on your shelf when you've only interviewed books of people that you hadn't already got. No, well, yeah. I needed... <laughs> I needed an excuse to buy more, didn't I? Know I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> yeah, I must admit, I... you, you, you guys are killing my uh, my monthly expenditure on books. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm running out of shelves, Greg. I'm like, honestly need... Well, I'm not going to rush to Ikea because I'm not going to be one of those people where I'm keeping <laughs> up on the roof. But, um, yeah, I do need a few more shelves. <laughs> so we talk about podcasts then. So tell us about... Yeah. Um, the Woofing Pawsome podcast. Give us a little bit of a background about, you know, why, why did you fancy starting a podcast to start with? And, and yeah, tell us yeah. about it. Because I, like, I love this idea of, like, crossing over and, like, you know, get some someone whose podcast that I love comes onto our podcast and vice versa and all of those things. I love that. I think that's a great way to get word of mouth out there about how great these things are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to be honest, I'm a, I am was a late convert to podcasts. So I think, Hearing yourself, Steve, I think obviously you, I think you were there probably in the early days, but mm. no, it's only been the past again two or three years I've probably really started getting into podcasts. Um, and same with audiobooks. So it was kind of a a new revelation again with the kind of corporate job, lots of travel, lots of time. You kind of no, I don't want to use the words get sick of music because I don't think I ever could. But there's certain days when you're just not in the mood. You know, at four a.m. at the train station, mm. kind of listening to some music probably wasn't the first thing on my mind. But listening to something like a book, or, or obviously when I discovered podcasts, um, that yeah, just really enjoyed it. So I started listening to to kind of a few that were out there that I kind of found quite easily. Um, again, mainly dog related, um, and then kind of when I started start great pause, started doing a few training videos and things like that. I found there was lots of topics people were asking me about or that I kind of wanted to convey that I couldn't in video because it it was just dull it was me probably just going to be sort of talking at the camera which nobody 
kind of really needed that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so podcast said uh, I'd um, obviously I'd got talking to you guys, um, kind of listening to Nick Benger, Carrie Ann, a few others, um, and basically the general advice out there was just do it, kind of what's the worst that can happen? I was kind of like, Oh yeah, fair enough. I suppose so. Uh, so yeah, that was it. I, I, I thought, right, I'll start it and I'll try and make it a little bit more kind of dog owner kind mm-hmm. of focused a little bit. Um, because again, probably a little bit like the books, you kind of get sucked into probably more books and podcasts for the professionals. So there's lots of people talking about all the things that as fellow professionals, we get really geeky about yeah. and absolutely love listening about. And I'd, I'd sent a few to a few clients and they were like, it was nice, but there was loads of stuff I didn't really get or understand. And, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I suppose there's probably a little bit more we could do there in terms of just making it a little bit more accessible. So yeah, that's kind of was my motivation behind it as a way to do more kind of in-depth explanations of certain topics or subjects that were hopefully a little bit more easily digestible to, to kind of the general public and kind of my clients and a few other people who, who like to listen about that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, obviously, I, 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 you were the first guys I asked in terms of, <laughs> would you want to be a guest? And then that kind of, when you guys said yes, I was like, right, I've got the the uh, I said the balls now to go and ask other people. <laughs> so I went off and, and started asking more and more people. And yeah, like, obviously, like, it's not, as you said, like, so many people are just amazing in terms of I know, of it's amazing, isn't it? Just, it was... You just think, wow, I'm going to send this email out of nowhere and say hi. And before you know it, you're chatting to them on Zoom and... Nosing at, their, nosing at their lounge behind them, you know, it's amazing, really. Uh, that is the, best, the only reason we do it, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> the Patricia, Mac- I, I said it on the, um, the Melissa podcast, the last one we did, but the Patricia McConnell, like, they had my finger hovering over the enter button to send the email. I was just so like, oh, I, I've got no place emailing this person <laughs> at all. Like, but yeah, within, I think within a couple of hours, ping, it came back and. Yeah, I was incredibly yeah, humble. True. But then there's something that I've learned, I think. I think from doing this, I've learned that all of the people, the reason why all these people are so amazing and everyone loves them is because they're so amazing, you know? So, yeah. like, you know, it's, it makes sense, really, doesn't it? That, like you know. Susan Friedman at the end of um, when we did the Lemonade Conference and so she was doing her Q- There's an Hour Q&A afterwards and uh, someone then tuned in and was like, right, Susan, we need to kind of wrap this up. And she was like, no, like she didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. She wanted yeah. to oh, answer no. everyone's questions. She really, and she didn't, you didn't feel like, there's, there's sometimes when you're watching it, people are like, yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll sort of wrap this up now. But she was just like, no, I talk all day. And I think she even sort of was like, maybe later we can do something else. And they were like, oh, maybe. It's <laughs> like, go home, Susan, have a sleep, have a coffee, whatever it is you need to do. <laughs> But yeah, she's just wonderful, isn't she? I know I really like your podcast, Greg. Uh, I think it's oh, massively accessible. One of the things I really like is your voice. Um, that's number one. Um, it's like it's like it's like a warm northern cuddle. Um, that's really nice. And um, yeah, and you talk about like um, aiming aiming it more towards owners. I think it's a really good thing. It's a, it's a tricky one to get right because if you're if you're like super geeky about it and obviously we all want to learn all of the behavior things and all of that but i th- i think you've got it right i think you pitch it just right um so i really like that it's really good oh thank you man i really appreciate that yeah it's like you say it's, it's that trial and everything so I, probably like when you start doing videos or you start doing podcasts and when you edit them and you do hear your own voice a little bit more and it's kind of like oh, jesus that's how it sounds. <laughs> um but yeah then it, it is it's just it's a work in progress and 
like dog training, yeah. we're not perfect at it. There's always going to be things we can improve. And I kind of look at the podcast or anything else that I do in that sense of similar kind of mantra of there will be times I fluff it. There'll be times I maybe say something not quite right. But if it's engaging with people and there's an ear there, then the door's open and we can talk more and we can chew the fat about it more. And mm. yeah, I just think it's, it's it's a lovely way to try and just reach out and share some, some bits with people that to do one-on-one is repetitively obviously yeah, generally we don't a lot have a lot of time for so just do something in that 10 15 20 30 minute segment and put mm. it out there and just kind of point people out and say look got the perfect thing go and listen to this the body language one was probably one of the biggest ones in terms of yeah trying to help people understand that because it's a such a common question around trying to help people understand it but it's such a fine art and i barely scratch the surface on it from a from a, my own learning perspective but then trying to get somebody else to kind of what do you look for? And it's like, it's, it's not quite as simple as ears mean this, eyes mean that, tail yeah. means the other. It's, there is a lot more nuance to it and you just need to sit and watch and it is the best way and just try and find what the things I need to pick out. So just trying to get little bits of advice like that out there that isn't overly prescribed. Um, like I say, I just hope it, it helps a few people learn a bit more and just get a little bit more inside the mind of the dogs because we are learning so much all the time. So it's... Yeah, it, it definitely will. Yeah, I think the more of us that are talking about it and also being quite, um, you know, just open and normal and honest about it and and um, talking through things. I, I, I love talking about body language to people. I had a online a remote consult today and the little dog was... Um, spark, they've got a balcony and he's he's barking at people that come into the car park that they overlook and so I just got them to put the laptop on the floor and I was talking them through when they need to you know um say yes so we're doing look at that game you know really simple stuff but just getting your eye in and I think it's like driving a car isn't it you kind of once you're fluid well not Steve obviously (laughs) when Corinne's driving a car she's not thinking about it you know it's it's a it's a natural process um and you kind of forget that you've learned that and and one day you didn't you didn't know that um I remember when I had my first driving lesson and he was like right okay we're gonna go for a drive I was like what like you're not expecting <laughs> yeah. me to drive on my first time sat in the front seat are you it's like yeah. I was like, this is madness and then yeah I guess it's the same thing like you can't go into you know someone's had a dog for years but they might not necessarily have known you know you might own a car that you've never sat in and driven you know yeah Waffling yeah. there, aren't they? No, no, no. <laughs> no, you know, waffling it up. You just reminded me of my first ever driving lessons, which was the complete opposite, where I paid uh, the lady to sit in her car and her show me all the buttons. And then I went back in my house. That was it. So the balance is in the middle somewhere there, I feel. <laughs> that reminds me of my first ever puppy cars. I got like, I, I went, I, I volunteered to kind of go along and take some notes for the instructor of Sally, it was, um, Sally Bradbury. Mm. And after the second one I'd been to, she was like, yeah, I'm giving up doing these ones now. Do you want them? And I was like, <laughs> what? What? That's so, that is so Sally. Yeah. You'll be fine. Go on, yeah. you'll be fine. Do it the deep end, you'll be all right. Never <laughs> been so... And then I remained scared for about six months after that, but carried on, persevered, <laughs> blagged my way through it. <laughs> and is, this, and is, it, is it those types of classes now where you get to do your little Attenborough? Yeah, kind of stumble and observe. <laughs> and exactly, exactly. I did, it, it took a long time to get comfortable. Actually, 
It really did. It was oh, a surprise. He's a natural. He is. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I used to be in a band, so I was, I was, I used to be absolutely fine with getting up and playing in front of like you know hundreds of people and that sort of thing. But then put me in a room full of six people, all just staring at me. Uh, that was absolutely horrendous. I remember that. It was, a, it was a real, a real eye opener. I'm really it's a lot glad of pressure, it. isn't it? Yeah. Really, and it's um, I, you know, you never know what you're going to be asked, and I think there's there are obviously still things that we get asked now that you don't really know the answer to, and it might be this and it might be that. But when you're starting out, you feel like you should know the answer to absolutely everything, and you should be able to fix it all. I developed um, a real sneaky way around that. Um, I if anyone ever asked me a question that I didn't know, which again went on for years and years. I would. I was lucky because I worked obviously in at Scallywags with UNAT, so like, at a training school. So I had a, at least I had a group of people that I could go. Someone's asked me this. Please help me. You know, give me your knowledge. Um, but I always used to say, Ah, that's a really interesting question. And actually, one of the other trainers that I worked with was talking about that at the weekend. I tell you what, I'll give her a call over the weekend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because she said something interesting that I can't quite remember. And then I'd come like feverishly go home and try and like ring everyone and email everyone and then learn like, what it was. But yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I always remember. You don't ever want to like. You never want to blag it, do you? You know, in terms of like, no, you know, start I, making I, it up. There's definitely an art in being able to do that because I think, like you say, that so many of us would rush to try and answer something yeah. just to, yeah, you know, someone someone's rocked up there, they're, they're having a one to one or a class, and you're meant to be the expert in the room. So when they ask a question and it baffles you to yeah. to actually go, I don't know, I'm kind of yeah. not a clue, but That's I, really I, weird. I, I know who know. to ask or I, I need <laughs> yeah. to do something. It, it does add, I think it is a real art to be able to actually like, say whether you've got a little bit of patter to to palm that off till the next time or whatever. Yeah. But either way, it's, it's still, it is the right thing to do. And again, having those people around you who, who are so supportive and share knowledge and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that, that's made a world of difference to me. I've got two local trainers to me who, without them, I'd be completely and utterly lost. They're, they're absolutely amazing. So having that little safe area of people to talk to and, and kind of bounce ideas off and the same with people who I've kind of studied with and stuff as well. It's just, yeah, it, it, that amazing community that is that is in the dog training world is it's it's a, definitely the kind of rock bed for, for me in terms of being able to do what I do. I yeah. think we have to, don't we? We've got to stick together because the alternative is that, you know, unscrupulous people sort of flood the market and there's there's a detriment to animal welfare. So yeah, I'm fascinated exactly. with like the, the different cultures um, in the UK. So what what is how do things lie in terms of the, the dog trainers around you? And also what what's your um sort of most common breeds because i find that as soon as i go over into surrey everything looks a bit different and there's a lot more labradors and little i call them little cloud dogs like a little breeze on bichon frise or something mm. like that and it, i just i find it fascinating when you go to different areas and work in different areas and you start to see the different patterns in the the breeds they have yeah it's uh t- to be fair like i said i was really lucky so um, the the two trainers near me who I kind of first started doing shadowing with and talking to, um, they were fab. The, the minute I kind of reached out to them, they were they were there. One I actually met through IMDT, so I was kind of on a course. Strangely, sat next to each other, uh, not realizing that we only lived kind of ten mile, not even ten <laughs> wow. miles from each other. Small world. Um, yeah, luckily I was very complimentary about the uh, establishment that she she has, um, and saying how much I really wanted to try and get in it, not realizing it was hers. So that, that, <laughs> that could have been that could have backfired. Yeah, yeah it certainly could have. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's no, it, it, they've all been good. So I, I wouldn't say that we're we're inundated kind of with dog trainers, kind of where we are. There's there's probably about 
a dozen over probably a 40 miles kind of square mile area-ish okay. thereabouts. Um, but yeah, everyone's kind of really coming. Everyone's got little bits of kind of different expertise, um, which is again, really nice. So kind of from a referral perspective, we can all kind of bounce off each other that way, which is lovely. Um, in terms of breed, um, Cavapoos and Frenchies, I think uh, are probably <laughs> the biggest kind of up, up where I am. Certainly in the kind of probably the more urbany populated areas, the minute obviously being kind of on the doorstep of Yorkshire Dales and kind of various other national parks, it's the minute you get out there, kind of gun dogs and collies become become the big thing. But certainly, yeah. kind of in the urban areas, I'd, yeah, um, cover, um, cockapoos and uh, and Frenchies are definitely there. But yeah, yeah it, it's a really interesting dynamic because again, until I so I sought help of a of a trainer when I got Betty Boo, kind of more for my own sanity, I think more than anything else, to, <laughs> is what I'm doing right. I, it's worked every other time. It doesn't feel like it's working now and. <laughs> That full client experience of I've had dogs for years. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, you're one of those, are you? Yeah, yeah, and it never works. So, and again, so just kind of having those people available to kind of come around was amazing for me. And um, again, that's kind of how what really sparked my interest in it because I was like, it, it's there. It's it's kind of on my doorstep, and as you know, it's 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 a growing kind of demographic. The dog owner in the UK. So there's seems to be more and more people with dogs all the time which is amazing because you know it's wonderful to have them in the family but it, it's it's scary and daunting at the same time and so many even friends i grew up with who've got dogs and kind of message me now and say we've got a dog it's our first one i have no idea what we're doing but i've got one kind of can you help me and i'm like yeah of course I can but it's uh, so oh, you're you're, bra- you're braver than me i go oh that's nice i've just retired <laughs> that, the, the biggest thing though is and you guys i think mentioned it before is that debbie downer kind of <laughs> yeah. that that hit me so hard when i first started learning more and i like just even go for a walk in the park even without my own dogs now i'm just like yeah <laughs> oh my god oh, yeah just... so we went um went out for a picnic for my dad's birthday it was in surrey actually and, and every, yeah everyone... and there were quite a few fluffy dogs out there were they a little cloud dogs <laughs> yeah, little cloud, yeah. everyone was like oh why don't you take the dogs i'm like no because we're a long way from home and if it's not the right environment and i'm ruining dad's birthday like it and if it gets hot then peach can't be there anyway yeah so just we took them out in the morning got up early and then went out and then uh yeah, I sat facing away from all the dogs in the park. It's just like, I'm just like, oh, no, they're getting, told, they're getting told off for that. And why don't you just put them on a lead rather than telling them off repeatedly? And they're running up to their picnic and they're having a go at them. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I could help so many people with just like literally just like, why don't you pop them on a lead when you're sat down having your picnic? To be clear, the dogs the dogs are having a whale of a time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Best day it's, ever. It, it, it's 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 really weird. Cause it's I've always found the way I try and justify it to myself is I always kind of think it's kind of I don't have kids, but I always kind of envision it being like parenting. Mm. And even though you see it, and as much as you want to say something, you've just kind no of got to bite your lip. Yeah, so yeah, I can't give advice. No one's asking yeah. for it. No one wants yeah. to hear it. It's unless it directly affects me and my dogs when I'm out on a walk. That's kind of you mm. know it's bite lip and and kind of move on. But it back to kind of podcasts and things like that that's for me that what motivates me because the more information the more education yeah. you can do mm-hmm. the more it hopefully it helps people like that who it's it's just innocence you know if you don't know you don't know you're doing the best you can and that's that's all you'll do and it's um but sometimes like you say it can be at the detriment to either yourself or your own dogs or even other people's dogs at times which i think is obviously usually when the phone starts to ring for for the likes of us but yeah for me it's 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 yeah it's, it's really interesting it's totally changed my perception of life and um my my parents live abroad and they've got quite a lot of street dogs out there so whenever i visit them kind of 
sitting down and just watching. Oh wow, I would love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just so different, and it's it's an example I use quite a lot with kind of clients and classes and stuff. Is if you ever go on a holiday and you see street dogs, what are they like? And then kind of compare that to your own dogs or dogs that you see at the park. What are they like? Is the differences? And kind of putting it to them in that frame of mind really does start to kind of seems to get people's cogs working around kind of our society and how we kind of have dogs in our lives versus yeah. if you kind of just leave dogs to be dogs, yeah. the difference in how they behave, how they act, how they kind of handle themselves and entertain themselves is just so, so different. And it, I found that's one of the best, I like analogies and metaphors quite a lot. And that's, that's definitely one of my go-tos that and playing guitars, my kind of two, two things I kind of always try and relate dog training to as best <laughs> I possibly can to try and explain a point to people. What's Mine's always one? dancing, dancing and drinking wine. <laughs> second, second one of those, I can definitely get on board with. The first one, I need a lot of wine. So you, you, I'm guessing you'll be familiar with um, the because I think your this one will be coming out after our Steve Mann podcast. So oh, right, we we up. talked a bit about the dogs of Cusco on there. That so that where right, he, yes, yeah, yeah, with the backpack walk and all that. And it's just a fascinating story. It's absolutely fantastic. So yeah, similar type things of like what what a dog would do if it was given complete choice to do it. We um, watch the yeah. dogs out in Crete, and yeah. uh, sometimes I do to make up little happy songs for them. Though, so like, even though they are, gen- they generally look quite happy in themselves. They, they still they have to have a happy little theme tune when they're trotting down the road. <laughs> Just how relaxed they are. That's, I mean, you know, that's that's the biggest thing. Is obviously, you know, occasionally when a man gets too close to them, they'll scurry off, like you know, take turn tail and go, but. The actual like levels of relaxation that seem to happen around street dogs is just amazing. They're just you know. well, we've basically just we've we've kind of shrunk down the the time that we actually interact with them because most interactions happen on a walk, you mm. know, rather than just generally. And then we have these pieces of string that stop them from doing any kind of normal behaviour whatsoever. And it's yeah, it's. It's difficult. I don't really know what the answer is because all the all the kind of work that I've done with Dawn and you know mm. all the uh, national parks that I work with to kind of promote responsible um, dog ownership, the people that come on that, uh, fair enough, you're kind of preaching to the converted anyway. But they're they're just lovely people. They love their dogs. They genuinely want their dog to have a lovely time. And unless it's kind of pointed out to them that maybe it's not safe for their dog and it's not appropriate in in the countryside to let your dog chase deer then <laughs> they they just genuinely don't don't understand the the potential ramifications you know whereas i'm a catastrophizer so the more i know the more everything's going through yeah. my head like oh my god they're going to impale, impale themselves on a stick they're going to run into a tree the deer is going to run out in front of the road and get hit by a car and then my dog's going to go under the lorry and and you know that's why i'm sort of too far the other way maybe more more risk averse um i'm, I'm kind so of sorry just jumping in there because you made me think so i'm kind of thinking about like i I was thinking this the other day like is there a place for a a whole class or seminar or something like that just on long lines like the use the art the art of using a long line because i was out in the new forest today and we took both our dogs out on a long line and i just i i made it my mission to sort of give as little pressure on the line as possible obviously within reason i'm not letting you know peaches wander off into the brush and disturb wildlife and things along those lines 
But I just said to myself, right, I'm just going to, you know, rather than, you know, quite often with long lines, even the best will in the world, you can end up battling against them. So I just thought I'm going to use it. Like I'll become the human extendable lead, you know, like reel in, <laughs> reel out, reel in, reel out. And I quite enjoy it, I must admit. Um, but I need two hands for it. That's the thing. I think when you're using a long line properly, you need that sort of like guide hand and then the sort of the real holder hand, if you like. And yeah, I think like, get, you know, getting that right, is is something because i think when you try and talk someone into having a long line it might you just imagine that you're taking all of their freedom away but peaches she was in a ploddy mood today in fairness and had she seen a squirrel i would have probably ended up in the heather somewhere <laughs> and dragged across the entire new forest but um you know she she had loads of freedom we stopped we sniffed i i kept that pressure off the long line you know nearly the whole way around as, as much as i could and it was a great walk for her, you know. She had, you know, I, I was going if she was looking for sniffs. I was going with her, or letting her do what she wants again within reason. But yeah, maybe that's the thing. Maybe the art of the uh, yeah, ones. and it, that that kind of that's where I use my dancing analogy. Um, and I'm sure Greg, your guitar playing analogy might be similar. I, I, like... can't, I can't play guitar. Just, just <laughs> that's <laughs> why I use it. I can't dance. Of, I, can't, I, can't, I can't learn anything. So. I can't dance either, but I can drink wine. So that's, uh, you know, balance it out. But, um, <laughs> and then she does think she can dance. And, and then I do think I can dance. Yeah. But I, you know, I always say, you know, what if you watch Strictly, they, they do a whole week of, of practicing the motor skills of the dance. They don't just throw them straight out on the dance floor. And I think yeah. part of it is, is your handling skills, isn't it? It's knowing when to let the line out, when to gather it up and not, um, feeling like you're and all the all the stuff that that we do maybe that we um subconsciously do like stopping and letting your dog check in and all that stuff so you don't end up with just a dog on the end of a 10 meter long line and being dragged through the forest <laughs> yeah i had a session yesterday actually um with a client who'd never really heard a long line she only ever bought one it was a nylon one that got a bit of rope burn from it oh, and yeah. never touched it again and mm. so our entire session was long line work and it was originally for recall but we ended up actually just going through the mechanics of what it's like to actually just walk a dog right? mm-hmm. and yeah. go out and yeah. do all the stuff that you just mentioned Steve. and that yeah and she kind of came away like almost as if it was a revelation she'd never kind of heard about it she never understood it and when it's explained <laughs> when it's explained to her um beautiful uh, little, hello penny yeah. <laughs> yeah it was just that that was the bit that for me, that in terms of that kind of like lovely, warm, feel-good factor of leaving a session, that was amazing because yeah. it was it was something again, like you're saying, it was just almost second nature. It's something we just take for granted, and then yeah. when you actually stop and start to have to right, I'm doing this because this this is why. So when they're doing that, I'm doing this. So you notice I'm not yanking. I'm kind of as you said, Steve, kind of following, yeah. doing this. And when you actually start to almost self-analyze and talk yourself through it, like I say it was quite all new information for her, which she absolutely loved. And for me, yeah, kind of walking away from that, I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I never never thought about actually spending that much time really kind of going through the mechanics of one piece of equipment when used right can completely revolutionise how you yeah. walk your dog. Yeah, that's, she's going to go out tomorrow and have a brilliant walk. Or, yeah. or maybe not, but she might get back in touch and go, oh, this happened and we didn't quite cover that and I don't know what to do here. Did I do the right thing? And that's where it all starts, isn't it? That's where that's where the second nature kind of reactionary handling comes in when you start to know how to cope with situations. Yeah. Yeah. 
Unless you've got a Newfoundland that's trying to pull you up a tree. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, just, you just need a saddle then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or roller skates. Yeah, just some roller skates. I'd have gone right around the tree. Until I, until I just smashed into it. <laughs> have, have you guys had um, kind of public space protection orders come in down your way? No. Uh, yeah, they kind of came in through the community. They're like com- community protection notices. So um, when a lot of the uh, Dogs Fouling of Land Act got superseded by the community protection ah. notice, um, there were a few sites that, that went down that route, but they mainly went down the how many dogs you can walk, mm. like one person per yes, dogs, yeah. and they used the DEFRA guidance for six which is a bit of an arbitrary, oh, it depends what six dogs you've got really, doesn't mm. it? Um, but it's, it's, it's not massive. Uh, what about up, up your way? Is it? It, it, it so it, it started, the reason I brought it up, because it, it started in earnest, um, obviously before lockdown and all that kind of stuff. And um, quite a lot of dog walkers, trainers, various kind of other dog related and pet related kind of professionals in our area kind of got together to, to try and work with the council about it. Okay. Um, really around that kind of responsible dog ownership and what that actually looks like. And we, we, we kind of talked about, and again, probably in aging, but growing up, you used to have those little videos about kind of highway code and green cross code and all that kind of stuff. And we, we started talking, there's kind of nothing like that for dog owners. Mm. And as part of this whole um, kind of new legislation coming in in our world, is that not the perfect vehicle to actually start to try and do that? Well, you've got an army of pet professionals in your local area who want to, help this become a, a meaningful thing that we introduce in the in the community so there's education programs there's lots of great stuff we could do and kind of going back to going about the kind of the park and that kind of thing it's just it's all these little things that like i said i don't think a huge amount of people really have a no. an overt kind of conscious awareness of it so yeah it's one of the things that again kind of back to that demographic of people in the area and that kind of thing it's um it's one of the things for me is awesome to be part of because it's a it's a lovely way to try and connect with dog owners and non-dog owners yeah because yeah. there's there's views and opinions on, on obviously on both sides of it so it's it's a lovely forum we'd be part of to try and uh to try and help influence how we do that now and wasn't think... there something a little while ago where um someone was trying to i remember donating some money towards it and but i don't think they ever reached their full amount to uh, raise awareness. It was towards the public, though, wasn't it? It was. There were, yeah, there was the there was an ethical one that Pact mm. uh, Muriel at Pact put together, um, and but there's there's also some kind of background stuff going on in the kennel club, um, and you know we'll we'll see what comes out of that basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the kind of work that that I've been doing with national parks or wildlife trusts so so uh, organizations that are either charitable or kind of government-led um uh and and la- own land it, it's still quite um reactionary in many places so down here um our friend dawn is you know massively forward thinking and has basically managed to kind of get a, a rain a dog ranger job down here so her her purpose of her role not at the moment because she's busy telling people not to set a light to the new forest but um her role is to try and promote exactly what we were just talking about so you know responsible use of long lines and you know noticing dog behavior and not allowing them to chase the ponies and da, da, da. and it's so it's such an interesting area of work and it, it would be great to get more dog professionals involved in because um 
I kind of come at it from a, a, a recreational access point of view as well, where I worked for the Wildlife Trust. So you you kind of you start to understand the clashes between the different groups of, of uh, site users, basically, because cyclists have one way of thinking and canoeists have others and horse riders have others. And then then the dog walkers come along and, you know, it's like, ah, how can we all try and get together and talk about it and and there is some really exciting stuff going on but often it gets buried underneath other issues and sometimes it, it is reactionary so they've had a particular particularly bad you know dog related incident with livestock yeah. chasing mm-hmm. whatever. um but I, a couple of years ago i put together a um a course for uh, Scottish natural heritage. So it's not a million miles away from you, Greg. And it it basically went through um, how to be a responsible dog walker. Um, Obviously the laws are slightly different in Scotland, Um, but it, again, it kind of gets disappeared under other things because something new happens and then it gets a bit forgotten. So Mm. I really hope that, you know, over the next five, 10 years, we see a shift in that direction where it's kind of responsible dog ownership, but also kind of dog centric ownership. So it's not all about just picking up your pill. Obviously, that's important. But having that behavioral um, awareness is going to help you to kind of solve or avoid problems. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it kind of feels a little bit inevitable. And I yeah, think that's just yeah. probably the, the boom of, of dog ownership because it just keeps growing and there is more and more people. It, it yeah. kind of feels like it will eventually kind of work its way at the top of the pile of, of priorities for, for various organisations. So it, it does feel like it's coming, but I hope it comes for the right reasons and not a reaction to, to bad events. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's definitely a great thing to see. There's one there's one thing that I, I can't, but before we leave here, I need to ask you, and that's about your, your wheelie good buggy walks um uh, oh yeah i thought this was fantastic and actually the the first time i looked at your you know like your classic like you start talking to people so you have a little look on the website and that i just i saw the really good buddy walks i was like oh i assumed actually when i saw them they might be some sort of like socialization puppy type sort of thing but actually had a little look a further look into it um uh today and yeah i I think it's quite fascinating could you tell us a little bit more about it greg yeah of course uh so uh, this actually goes back to um, my older cabbie who's no longer with us, Merlin. So he had a he had a heart murmur, obviously common with a breed, never ever bothered him, but as he hit kind of later in life, that kind of obviously turned into heart disease and he had a few ailments as a result. So he um, kind of mentally, he still thought he had an engine and obviously his engine wasn't quite up to, up to scratch. So going out for walks and stuff became a real issue for him. And we were, we were due to go away on holiday and one of the big issues when we always go on holiday, we always like to kind of explore and walk and do all that kind of good stuff. And the concept of, of Merlin and how we're going to kind of get him around. He's, you know, he's just shy of 10 kilo. They were the, the quite big cabbies. They're not the little spindly cabbies. Um, and carrying 10 kilo around for eight hours a day is all right, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to tie your arms out a little bit. Um, so we, we, my wife and I had a conversation and the, the, the topics of buggies came up and, dare I say I was probably a little bit stereotypically male and was like, no way, never, not <laughs> pushing my dog around in a buggy, not going to happen. Um, so I looked at the, um, I don't know if you know Radio Flyers, yeah. the little red American-style trolley trucks that kids pull around. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Wagon. Okay. So, 
Yeah, so I looked at those and various incarnations of them, and I thought, oh, I don't mind pulling him around in a trolley. It's a little bit more macho than pushing him <laughs> in a um, And then, by pure chance, um, the, the buggy that I've got came available. And f- uh, to try and describe it for people, it's it's got a, um, it looks like kind of those ones that you'd attach to a back of a push bike. Um, where, it, but instead of obviously the connection to the push bike, you've got the connection obviously to the front wheel. Mm-hmm. It's a little kind of tricycle, big box. Um, so yeah, I got that for him, and he loved it. So oh. we could take him places. He didn't have to kind of overexert himself. He could go around. He got all the smells, all the sight. He could jump out when he wanted for a little leg stretch. And then kind of when I started Great Paws and before the training side of, of Great Paws, which was where I really wanted to go, kind of kicked off. Uh, I was doing more walking in, and one-to-one stuff, working with kind of reactive dogs and things like that. And there was quite a few clients who had older dogs and just their routines were fairly mundane, didn't really go far. It was the same block walk, time in, time out. So I thought, well, from my own experience with Merlin, why not offer that out to people? So pick them up, we go out in the buggy, we can go new places, off-road, parks, wherever we like. They can jump out, have a leg stretch whenever they want and then jump back in. They still get all the kind of sensory enrichment as best they can. And yeah, and it just breaks up the uh, breaks up the routine for them. So the, yeah, again, kind of back to funny looks from public when you're walking around. So there's a, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a slim fella. So when you're pushing around a, a buggy and everyone kind of peers in, expecting to see a baby and to see a, a sweet little dog in there or my old Cavi Lucy, she uses it now because again, just all, all bones and arthritis, etc. She she likes to go out, but she can't do the miles that the Sheps do. So that's fine. We take the Sheps out. They can do the mileage. And Lucy sits like a princess in a buggy looking out the window, taking the world in and pops out whenever she I wants. Think, I think my guys would be fighting over who got in it, regardless of activity level or age or health. They just And then I'd be like questioning, why am I walking all of these dogs by pushing them around in a duvet? Well, my, my, my immediate impulse is sod the dogs. I'd quite like to get in that buggy. If, if, if it had more than a 50 kilo limit, absolutely the wife would be pushing it around. Can you imagine pushing Pete around one day? No, no, no she, could, she could pull you around. I mean, yeah. I don't know where you'd end up, probably up a tree. Yeah. But, you know. yeah. Just at the base of the nearest a... oak tree. That would be. Yeah. It was really nice. Um, we went to the um, kind of like a few of the kind of big dog shows up in, in the area. So we have like the Northeast Dog Show and a few others. Um, and even that, just kind of being able to go, but not have masses of people kind of stomp and tramp. And Lucy, yeah, she's quite timid. Yeah. She doesn't like yeah. a lot of feet moving around her. Yeah. So being able to put her in that, she gets to go. She gets to go and enjoy it and explore it, but without that that it's feeling perfect. of kind of being kind of in amongst feet and lots of noise yeah. and people. So it, it's it's something I'll never stop doing. It'll always be there. I'll always offer it to clients because it's. I just found it enriched kind of my dog's life far too much to yeah. to ever shelve it. So. It's it's certainly not the the biggest thing I push or the biggest thing that takes up kind of my time with clients, but it's always there for anybody who wants it. But it does, as you mentioned, Steve, it does work for puppies as well. So puppies who don't have kind of all the vaccinations and are still want to do socialization, but without kind of pounding pavements, just to try and get to the local park, things like that. Yeah, It's a great way just to experience the world of recovering from injury. totally get one of those if we had a puppy. Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that, Greg. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank you. So from a a practical point of view and from a a, a kind of peer pressure, because we do have to take these things into consideration, how long did you feel silly for? pushing a dog around in a buggy before you just uh, got over it and went, do you know what? My dog's having a great time. I don't care. Honestly, minutes. 
It was really? literally minutes because okay. he the day the first day I took him out in it, um, I took him out on his own initially just to kind of so he didn't have me having kind of split attention with the other dogs or anything like that. And it was quite a warm day, and the front of it's got a um, very pram like, so it's kind of got that plastic see through rain mesh cover, uh, mm-hmm. rain cover on it. Underneath that, it's got like an air mesh, so they get all the air, all the sense, but they can't get out. And he just sat and really, he had this probably a King Charles thing of being able to sit and look very regal. He just kind of <laughs> yeah. sat, chest out, head back, ears pricked forward. And he, as if that was what he was bored to do, was just to be kind <laughs> Did of... Did he manage away? Uh, yeah, away. Pretty, <laughs> <laughs> and the minute I saw him looking like that, kind of peer pressure, people's perception just went out. I didn't care at that point. Yeah, he was such a good brilliant. time. Yeah. Um, and to see his little face and, and probably like say... Penny, etc., kind of making you laugh, and that was it. I was just, I was in stitches. I, I must have looked like a crazy idiot. The <laughs> big, big guy kind of pushing a prop around, laughing at it. Um, <laughs> the dog, but yeah, he, he had a whale of a time, and it's uh, so yeah. The minute I got it, it's it's practicality wise, it's it's not blinks. It doesn't collapse. The one I've got, mm-hmm. so it's it's good that I have the van because I can just lift it into the van. If I had a look, if we've got a hatchback, if I try to put it in that, it. No, it took me ten minutes to dismantle it. So, but there's lots of other variations that come mm. out that are a lot more uh, mm. car friendly. But, um, but yeah, it's it's it is. I absolutely love it. It's one of those things where now I'm there is that I kind of quite like the attention. <laughs> you go out there because it it's a conversation starter. So yeah, like, yeah. we'll stop and they'll talk and they'll ask why and that kind of thing. So again, just that ability to to say to people, oh well, I got it for this and it, it helps with this, that, and the other. And it's suddenly probably people similar to myself who were a little bit skeptical and judgmental of it initially. Suddenly go, oh, right, yeah, I kind of get, get it now. It's it's actually quite a lot of practicality and sense to that. So, yeah, it's it's, it's lovely. And like I said, the, the dogs have a whale of a time. So as long as they're happy, I'm happy. There's um this elderly couple around our area that we've never worked with. I just see them around. Um, and they've got three, three Dachshunds. Yeah. And um, one of them is clearly older and, and goes out in the pram. And I cannot tell you how many times I've grinned at them like, like <laughs> a Cheshire cat, like, oh, my God, you're so amazing and lovely. Look at you taking your dog out. And they <laughs> never smiled back at him. That's because we like a couple of weirdos <laughs> driving literally yeah, yeah. the weirdos that go, oh. <laughs> there's a there's a lady in our town i don't know her, um but we i see her quite a lot and she has um like a reverse tricycle so mm-hmm. single wheel at the bike two wheels at the front and it's 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 a fully custom made thing by the looks of it and it's got this wonderful carriage in the front and she's got it's either a greyhound or a lurcher or something like that it's some kind of sight hound um who sits in it and she cycles miles around the town with this pooch in it um, and again he just sits head out just wind in his ears and absolutely loves it and like you say the first time you see it you're a bit kind of you screw your face up and try to figure out what it is but then the minute you see the dog's little face kind of happy as larry in there it's it's like that lady's winning at life yeah, yeah. definitely knows how to look after a dog yeah yeah no one no one's ever gone Thanks, to those fish. lengths have they no one's ever sat down and gone to those lengths that doesn't care about dogs yeah. Yeah. Again, the, the best view of fish there. yeah the there best view yeah, yeah definitely yeah doing the blurring blurring of the bottom so go on then before before the end then mate tell me about your music oh um oh c- complete rookie amateur um so like probably most lads um drummer by trade originally okay um did that kind of back in my teens into a kind of yeah late late teens early 20s local circuit kind of doing the usual what late 90s early noughties kind of alternative rock kind of scene nice. um and then a f- few years ago a few friends of ours we kind of just got together and started jamming doing a lot of 
kind of southern rock, country blues kind of stuff. Ah. Um, and then work commitments took over, like like all good bands, and we all kind of struggled with time. So, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, music is huge, huge part of my life. So it has been um, kind of gigs, trying to learn the guitar very badly, um, <laughs> trying to understand how I can rearrange my house to get a drum kit back in it. Um, and I, I, I probably this is probably massive oversharing, but I I have bathroom um, bath time karaoke. Um, <laughs> as often as possible um to much to my neighbor's delight i'm sure uh, to hear me putting out the tunes uh, every sunday afternoon but yeah no it's 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 always kind of been part of it and uh, I, I love kind of uh 50s rockabilly music as well hence the the kind of yeah, old 50s yeah. sure 55 yeah. microphone and yeah quite eclectic taste anything anything everything really if it's good i'll listen to it as my general rule of thumb so but yeah it's yeah i love it always always part of it always trying do as as much I can in that space, whether it's supporting local bands or going to see big bands or whatever. It's yeah. Just, Have you got any um, old recordings of yourself when the band was together? Or... Um, <laughs> for the record, no. <laughs> I'm sure there's something I can dig out for. I was going to say, for something you want, we can whack it on the end of the podcast. Yeah, oh, don't, no, it. nobody wants to listen to that. But, um, my, you knew why he was asking, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would send it though because the guys I used to play with are absolute were like a lot of musicians are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so yes, I, I'll, I'll send you a few clips just so you can hear them. Cause, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love it was, that. It was a great bunch of lads to uh, to play with because they were they were just so amazing. I was only ever temporary standing singer until they got a proper one. Um, <laughs> still looking for a proper one, and I'm not there anymore. So it's, uh, having no singer was even better than having me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Where the caliber of voice is sitting out for you. You'd fit in quite well with us. We were we were a punk band, so we we made an art out of being rubbish on everything we did. So, <laughs> what, what instrument do you play, Steve? Uh, so I play guitar and sing ish, sing scream, shout, shouty, screamy, singing. <laughs> yeah, I do that kind of gravelly groan thing. Very yeah. Badly. <laughs> Oh, well, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Have you got anything? So where can people find you or your, well, where would you like me to direct people to to your stuff and also where uh, the podcast is? Yeah, of course. Uh, so website-wise, it's greatpause.co.uk. Uh, social media is greatpause.ne, uh, so northeast. Um, so, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. I think I'm on Twitter. Never use it, but I think I'm on there as well. Um <laughs> But yeah, the, the website's got everything in there. You can link to all the various things in there. The online, I've got an online learning platform that's got a slightly different web address. But again, just the main greatpause.co.uk has got everything on there. Um, the podcast I actually put on the website as well, so people mm-hmm. can get it from there if they're not familiar with with podcasts. But Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, all the kind of usual platforms. The uh, You can find the Woofin, without a G, uh, Woofin Pawson Podcast. Where did you get? Did you just come up with the name yourself, or did you? Uh, it, it literally was. I was I was toying around with names, trying to think of something that was that was interesting, and there was a, a term that I wanted it to be. Um, uh, is this a family show? A family? <laughs> is this a? Oh, oh, oh. Is this a, sorry? Is this we a family can, show? Oh no, 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 no. We can, yeah, no, uh, we can, we can hit. Uh, so I, I wanted it to be a fucking awesome podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. Um, so 
it, it was a way to try and I was like, oh, how can I? At the end, then Wuffin Possum came about. So yeah, Brilliant. it was a Wuffin Possum podcast. I love it. It's so good, and it is a it's an awesome podcast. I'm not just saying that because you're right in front of me. I've listened to them, so it's really, really good. Really, no, really I appreciate good. So that. Guys. Anyone it, and, that's it, listening to this will get get something out of that as well. And if, and I think as well the the whole idea of like aiming it towards um, you know dog owners. I think it's a, it's a brilliant one for that. Absolutely awesome. No, thank you guys because you guys were a massive inspiration, uh, obviously for for setting it up. So a huge thanks to you and Barks on the bookshelf, and and obviously now the off the shelf as well. It's uh, definitely a highlight of my week when when that comes out. Oh, just to, bless to hear ya. you guys giggle and laugh and and share all all the stuff you share because it's for me. It, I'm gonna pop a fanboy kind of gush now, but it's <laughs> it covers so many different areas. So for, as a professional, obviously it's really interesting. You know the guests that you get on the geek outs that you guys do is amazing. As a as a pet dog owner as well, the the personal insights you guys share and obviously that you get from the guests is, is second to none. And then just the way you guys interact and bounce off each other and Steve's silly voices and jingles are, uh, <laughs> are just the highlight of any any dog walk. So no, thank you guys. It's 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 absolutely awesome to oh, thanks, virtually Steve. meet. That's us. lovely. That's really nice. Thank uh, you. W- will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> as, as, as long as you learn to drive. <laughs> well thanks so much mate you're a star no thank you nice guys appreciate right. it yeah we'll, we'll talk again man we'll definitely yeah. talk again i think we're going to do definitely, a little yeah. do a little crossover so we will uh we'll we'll i i will absolutely love to have you on with Possum so you can spread the word about barks on the bookshelf even more definitely. boom that'd be great thank you all right dude See excellent bye, take bye. care guys bye, bye. Cheers, mate. bye. Tongues collide, ourselves divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, his just Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down. One with strong 
And where opposition exists, it's our duty to persist, resist and fight and defend till the end, another's right to all this, this Kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it won't be kept down.